4: Hey everybody, and welcome to Movie Crush. Charles W. Chuck Bryant here in our home studio, Pond City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. And today I have me in the studio, <laughs> and Noel is going to chime in, say hello. Noel. Hey, Chuck. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> Good. Well, you said, "Hey, Chuck." Yeah, it was kind I- of a I doubled up. It was like saying <laughs> "Hey" to you, and then saying "Hey" to to the listening public. And I responded for the listening public because I think they're doing fine. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, so this is the first, um, I guess mini episode we're going to call these. Uh, it was pretty clear from interacting with people on, on Facebook and the Movie Crush page and the super, super Movie Crush fan page, the Movie Crushers, that, uh, folks wanted to interact a lot with this podcast, which is awesome. And that was kind of the idea to begin with. So that's kind of the idea behind these episodes. Uh, we're not going to feature interviews with people about their favorite movie, but a lot of it is going to be just hanging out, uh, virtually hanging out with you guys. And I'm sourcing uh, emails from, from Facebook and uh, top tens and questions for you guys, and everyone's chiming in, so you're going to play a big part in this, uh, which is very cool, I think. So that's sort of the concept. We're going to keep them kind of short and sweet, probably between 20 and 30 minutes, and uh, we're going to have just some different segments here and there. I'm going to have a little bag of tricks that we come up with over time. And some of these were directly from, from you guys who suggested that I do certain things. And I'm always looking for feedback. So if you have some more ideas for fun segments, please, please let me know. Uh, because that's the whole idea here is to make this about us, the, the Movie Crush family community here that we have going. So um, I think today we are going to do... A few different segments. And I gave these all goofy titles because that's just how my mind works. And maybe Noel can come up with some fun little uh, music stings. What do you think? I'll give it a go for sure, man. Okay. Well, we'll know here in about three seconds because uh, the first segment we're going to talk about is called Social Studies. Social Studies with Charles W. Chuck Bryant. So Social Studies is um, a little play on words from social media. And this is when I put out a call on Facebook for, uh, a question basically for, for you folks to answer back and I will read as many of them as I can. But, um, I, I put a few of them out and we'll do one per episode here moving forward. And the the question I threw out was for this one is what movies have actually inspired you in your personal life and why? And, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and start with mine just to get it going. Mine is kind of corny, I guess. I had to think about it for a while. Um, but Dead Poet Society, it seems like a, a almost trite to say that movie inspired me, but it really did because I was trying to think back to that movie, and I if I'm not mistaken, there was a direct through line from watching that movie to me becoming an English major in college. When I went to college I didn't have a great idea of what I wanted to do. And Dead Poet Society had just really gotten me into um, literature, uh, I mean, I'd always read since I was a kid, but it really inspired me to start reading, like obviously poetry and some of the classics. And I remember thinking, "Hey, if I can read and, and write in college, and that's my main jam, then I should probably pursue that." And I, it's sort of in the back of my head too. I, I know everyone knows I always kind of thought about being a teacher because my parents were both teachers, and um, obviously, Dead Poet Society is a love song for for. Inspiring teacher, so uh, that one stuck with me, and I think that movie inspired me, at least to do uh, do what I did in college. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, no, but can you think of one? Well, first I need to follow up to that. Also, kind of inspire like
1: a little bit of a rebellious streak. Did you stand on your desk in college and sure. protest? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that <laughs> happened, right? Uh-huh. Oh my god, And that's that's tough. I wish I would have had a little more time to think about it. Like the stuff that comes to mind is mainly just like. Things that made me feel empathy. And and the one that comes to mind is like stuff like The Lion King and things that I've been able to share with my daughter. So I guess in terms of inspiration, Uh maybe that's not exactly the right answer, but it's certainly stuff that gives me an interesting nostalgia boost where I kind of connect where I was when I was a kid watching that and now watching them with my daughter. And actually, I've got one now, Inside Out. Inside Out, the Pixar movie that's about mental health. Such a sweet. And she handles movie. it so delightfully. I saw yeah. that with my daughter when she was borderline, not old enough to get all the uh, the messages, but right. like the way it's presented, you don't have to go full deep fully deep into it. Uh-huh. Um, and I could tell that it resonated with her and it really resonated with me. You yeah, know? and she looks over at me and this happens every time we go to a movie like that, and she's like, Dad, are you crying again? <laughs> I'm like, yes. Yeah, that's a delightful movie. So that's that's kind of what comes to mind for me.
4: That's good, man. Emily and I are such saps. Um boy, we cry a lot, and um, I'm sure my daughter is going to be like, what's wrong with Mommy and Daddy at some point? I caught her crying in a movie recently, and that made me feel good. That is sweet. What movie? (laughs) It was actually The Greatest Showman,
1: which is a little schmaltzy, and it's this musical about P.T. Barnum, and he obviously wasn't the best dude, and they whitewashed it a good bit, but it's kind of a delightful Moulin Uh Rouge-esque pop musical, and she just adores it so much, and more the spectacle, I think, kind of brought her to tears, because it's just very pop music driven and really makes you twist the feels on you a little yeah, bit yeah. so looking over at her and kind I of was like
4: all right we're in this together kid so it was manipulative is yeah. what you're saying oh yeah yeah but in, in a way that I kind of enjoy um, all right well let's take through some of these on facebook then um, let me see here uh Allison Gallagher she's very active on our page thanks Allison um, she says a league of their own i love that the film uses america's favorite pastime to demonstrate the strength uh strengths of all women and their capabilities on and off the field. That's a great one. Uh, Mark Germany says, Sideways, one of my favorites, Mark, uh, that movie always made me want to be involved in the wine industry. And two years ago, I left my career behind and started studying to become a winemaker. Uh, that's awesome. I would love to do that. Well, actually, I think I'd rather just drink the wine. Um, Mark Palumbo says, Life is beautiful, even when the world around you is horrific and sad. There is still humor, love, and uh, joy hidden beneath the surface. That one is huge. What a wonderful movie. I never saw that. Oh, man. It's it's great. That's one of those, do you have shame movies that you're ashamed that you never saw?
1: Yeah. And I've been talking, my girlfriend has a huge hole in her movie going experience. Like uh-huh. She's never seen The Godfather and stuff. But oh. she gets mad at me when I say things like I've never seen Hocus Pocus. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. Well, one person's Godfather exactly. is another person's Hocus Pocus. That's true. Um, Jennifer Adolph, Princess Bride, living in a small town that brought all of us outsiders together. Uh, that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, let me see here. Vanessa Lopez, Shawshank Redemption, reminds me that even though we fight for it, freedom can be frightening, because in one way or another, we're all a little bit institutionalized, like Brooks. But if we can make a mad dash toward that open door and we find it, we might actually break free and get busy living. Whoa, that's a good deep one. Uh, a couple of people said Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, here's one from Nina Lenore. Uh, it was the first movie that, for me, encompassed the way a heart can be broken and hopeful at the same time. I agree. That's a good one. Um well, Dead Poet Society. Here's another fellow fan. Uh Kristen guy Growing up in a small homogeneous conservative town, I remember thinking Dead Poet Society was an anthem for learning. Define your passion, uh, and then live it at any cost. Totally. I think you mentioned in an interview before how like that was one,
1: where, one of the first ones where you kind of saw suicide handled in such a frank way, and you see that yeah. movie at a real young age. Totally. That was kind of that one for me. I remember feeling that
4: really yeah. hard. Man, if you don't like, if you're not crying at the end of that movie when all the boys stand up on the desk, Ugh. then you're dead inside.
0: <laughs> Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
3: Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bear Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare-exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window,
2: Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. The Hyundai Santa Fe becomes available early 2024. So get on it now before all the good camping sites are full. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
4: C. E. Lorimer says, "Difficult and very personal." The hours—that was a heavy movie. Uh, Julianne Moore explains why she leaves her husband and young children. Later in life, uh, she says, "It was death. I chose life." Although different reasons, this line resonated with me while leaving my marriage and fundamentalist Christianity. Wow, people are people are digging in here. This is a good question. Way to go, Chuck. <laughs> uh, Trish Lauderhose. Gilbreath. Great name. Great hyphenated name. Uh Frida starring Salma Hayek. Frida Kahlo's life story is fascinating and inspiring on its own. She was a unique and outspoken artist. Add to that what Hayek went through to get the movie made, totally. It was Hayek's uh passion project and it shows. That's one of my faves.
1: Yeah. And that essay she wrote recently about all that stuff with Weinstein that she went through to make that movie is crushing.
4: Selma Hayek wrote that? Yeah, no, she I wrote in like it. an
1: op ed for Variety or something where she talked about how he held that movie over her head uh, at every turn and was just a smarmy, you know, POS. Yeah.
4: What a what a guy. Ugh. You can say piece of shit. Oh, that's right. Just a smarmy <laughs> piece of shit. Just, ugh, the worst. That's terrible. And uh, my wife, Emily Frida Kahlo, is one of her, if not her all time favorite um, women in history. I'm even going to be on art. And we have lots of Frida stuff in our household, including a bunch of Frida Kahlo uh, children's books. And I think I may have never seen Emily as happy in her life as when my daughter one night said, Mommy, can we weed Frida? Can we weed Frida? <laughs> That's awesome. So,
1: Did you guys go to the Frida and Diego like, exhibition at the High that was oh, yeah. years ago? So cool. Yeah,
4: we've seen her paintings at a bunch of museums. And one day uh, we will most definitely go to the... Uh, Casa Azul in Mexico. That's on the bucket list. Awesome. Not even bucket list. I want to do that. Just a list. In the next few years. (laughs) John Millsap. This is a good answer. I can't think of a single film that has done this. Every movie I watch, I take something away that means something to me. That's why I love movies and am aspiring to be an actor. All stories need to be told because you could never know what any one person will walk away with and how much it could help. That's a really good answer. Uh Sarah Adams, another for Life is Beautiful. Uh it wrecks her emotionally to get through, and Guido's relentless commitment to making uh the world a beautiful place for his son is it wonderfully demonstrates how love is the most important and most powerful force in the world. What a bummer that his next movie was that horrible Pinocchio adaptation. I didn't see that either. I didn't
1: see it, but I just saw clips, and it's just like r- held up as one of the most tone-deaf, weird, awful movies of all oh, time. Really? Yeah, and it was like a big passion project for him and huh. totally fell flat. He plays Pinocchio. He's like this weird, grown-up, man-child, Pee-wee Herman-looking <laughs> Pinocchio. <laughs> I
4: think I, I think the only Roberto Benigni movies I've seen are the Jim Jarmusch ones. What was it Down by Law? Down by Law, and then he was in the... Uh, Night on Earth. See, I got a huge hole for Jarmusch in my in my catalog. I you need, need to, to fill that yeah, hole.
1: <laughs> I need to. <laughs> that sounds gross. No, it's fine.
4: Um Robert Lamb, our own Robert Lamb of uh Stuff to Blow Your Mind. He's active on this page, which makes me feel really good. Robert's awesome. Uh Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas for him. Actually, which is kind of funny if you know Robert, <laughs> that doesn't seem like Fear and Loathing would be his movie. But he says it actually inspired me to go back to school. Take some journalism classes rather than take the LSAT and go down that road. I watched the movie first, then read the book. Not that I expected uh, the same gonzo adventures or anything, but the movie and book ignited something in me. And then he procured a giant suitcase full of drugs and took a road trip. <laughs> yeah. No. And not realizing that. <laughs> oh, KBO, Kelly Butler Olson, one of our old pals. Uh, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty uh, has been a huge reminder to not get so caught up in plans and daydreams that I forget to actually experience life. That's a good one. All right, and finally, we'll uh, do one more here. Juan Carlos uh, Carranza says, Invictus, which I haven't seen yet. It's on the list. A great story of how after the apartheid Mandela and the South African rugby team worked together to give the nation the first win as a unified country. In order to go forward, we have to talk and work with the people that have completely different points of views man that's a good one to finish up with given what's going on in this country right now um, those are some good answers and I think I mean look, I wish I could read them all everyone because these are all great but it, we don't want an hour of just reading Facebook posts but uh, I think this really shows that like movies and that's the sort of idea behind this show is there's a lot more going on than entertainment uh, sometimes it can be just that which is great but uh, movies can inspire and and uh, really cause you to question things about yourself and the world around you and inspire you to do great things, which is pretty awesome. Uh, all right, so we'll move on from social studies to the highlight reel. And this is what I'm going to put in every now and then. I think with a highlight reel, I'm going to highlight, um, it kind of depends. It could be a writer, it could be a director or an actor. Um, it could be their entire career or maybe just a part of it. Uh, and generally, though, these are going to be people that I feel like are a little underserved. Um, I'm not going to do a highlight reel on George Clooney. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, everyone knows that that clones is the best. Uh, so this week I'm going to go with uh, Hal Hartley, writer, director Hal Hartley, who um, I'm not sure when this is going to come out. Probably, in fact, I know this will come out pre my discussion with future guest uh, Guy Branham, which, by the way, look out for that one. That's a fun one. Uh, but, um, Guy and I talked a little bit about Hal Hartley. And when I was in college in the nineties is when I really, and you've heard me talk about this before on the show, that's when I really got into independent film and, uh, stuff that was a little left of center, um, off the beaten path kind of stuff, less mainstream. And that's when my eyes were really open to the, to the world of independent cinema. And it was just a huge sea change in my life and what kind of movies I liked and what, uh, I mean, they actually all inspired me that, like, man, you can, you can do this. These are small movies. And you don't have to be some big uh, Hollywood hotshot to go out there and tell a great story. So Hal Hartley was definitely one of those for me. Uh, and for the highlight reel, I'm going to specifically talk about his first four feature films. Uh, he would go on later to do the uh, Faye Grimm movies. I wanted to say trilogy, but. Are there four now? I just know Henry
1: Fool. Isn't that part of it? Isn't that like the first one and then Faye Grimm was maybe the second one? Yeah,
4: Henry Fool, Faye Grimm. And there there was a new one many years later recently called Ned Rifle with Aubrey Plaza picking up the, the baton. Oh, wow. But there may have been one in between there. I can't remember. Those are good movies. I did not love them like I loved his first four films, though, so, which were The Unbelievable Truth in uh, 1989, Trust in 1990, Surviving Desire in 1992, and Simple Men in 1992, it's crazy to put out two movies in one year.
1: These are all just totally new to me. I got it. Oh uh, man!
4: Well, you got to check it out. Um, all of these movies were very much in his defining style, which, uh, which is to say, very highly stylized, um, left of center. Uh, it, it borders on the melodrama at certain certain points. Very deadpan, black humor, kind of choppy, stilted dialogue, and sometimes what what feels like overacting. And this <laughs> sounds like. All the things you don't want to do as a writer director, um, but it works somehow. They're definitely not for everybody. Uh, my brother hated Hal Hartley movies. Didn't get it. Well, not that he didn't get it. He just didn't like it.
1: Is it like Wes Anderson? He kind of stilted acting. Or no, more so
4: you got to check it out. Yeah. It's like sometimes it almost seems like, um, like a bad play. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not selling this well. Am no, I? no, no, no. When I when I think of that,
1: I, I think of David Lynch. Yeah, kind of like purposefully overacted kind of like scenery chewing soap opera kind of acting.
4: Well, yeah, there's a little bit of that. But this these feel like stage plays and they'll do weird thing. I mean, he did weird things like in the middle of a scene on a rooftop. The characters would just break out in this like kind of Broadway style dance. Oh. Um it, It's like I said, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but they just delighted me to no end. And he he really put a lot of. I mean they're the indiest of indie films in, in feel and tone. And uh he's a New York guy and they uh he, he launched the careers of a bunch of people. Uh Edie Falco's first movies were were some of the Hal Hartley movies. Uh Adrian Shelley, very sadly the late Adrian Shelley. Um if you guys don't know who she is. She uh was in the movie Waitress that became the Broadway show, I think, waitress. And um she was murdered. It was a very, very sad story. Um I can't remember exactly when but like within the last 10 years but Adrian Shelley is in some of these first movies and the great Martin Donovan um was in a couple of these uh and the first one unbelievable truth I, I guess you would call it a romantic comedy um it's about a man who gets out of prison and I believe he was a a convicted of homicide or maybe straight up murder and he has a relationship uh with Adrian Shelley and um it's just a romantic romantic comedy only as Hal Hartley could do them. Uh, the next one, Trust, the next year, was a, another romance between two misfits. Uh, Surviving Desire was a story about a teacher who falls in love with a student. Um, I, uh, Martin Donovan was the lead in that one as well. And then Simple Man in 1992, like I said, his second movie of 1992, was about two brothers that kind of come together to search for their, uh, their missing father. And Simple Man is great. And these movies kind of progress. Unbelievable Truth is really raw. And it's not like Simple Men got um, flashy or uh, seem like a, a Hollywood-type movie, because none of these do. But it definitely you saw his progression as a filmmaker through these four films. So, Hal Hartley, I salute you, sir. Uh, I even reached out last night after after doing this, uh, putting together this little piece, to see, uh, I'm going to be in New York in February, to see if Hal Hartley would be a guest on the show. Because he seems like a gettable person, because I think... Like you can kind of get in touch with Hal Hartley, I believe, without going through a gazillion people. So fingers crossed there to get Hal Hartley on the show. And if, if you see it happen, you know that is a dream come true for this guy. Um, so check it out and I'll
1: Oh, I have to start.
4: Yeah. I would say start with, uh, maybe jump over to simple men. And then yeah. work backwards. A,
1: a pal turned me on to Henry Fool just randomly. I knew nothing about it. I was just like, just, this is a movie I'm going to show you. He didn't tell me anything about the director. I didn't yeah. know him as like an auteur. So now I know there's a cool catalog to dig into, and that's always exciting.
4: Yeah, he also did a movie called Flirt, which was really good, uh, interesting concept. I think it was, if I remember correctly, the same story told in three different countries. Uh, and then one called Amateur with uh, Isabel Huppert. Is that her name? That's a really good one, too. I think I'm going to do these every week. I'm going to close with uh, a segment called Stream This and another one called Comment Card, which are going to be listener mails. And Stream This is going to be basically anything you can stream. I had a bunch of people on Facebook say, hey, would it be too weird for you to uh, go uh, into TV shows? Because, as everyone knows, we're in the golden age of television, as they call it. And I don't think I would want to interview someone about a TV show I'm going to stick with movies there. But for Stream This, I will certainly uh, talk about kind of what I've been watching lately. And Emily and I just finished streaming The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon. Have you seen this? I have not, but I've heard good things. It is really, really great. It won the Golden Globe uh, for Best Show. And I believe the uh, lead actor, she won the award for Best Actress at the Golden Globes. And it's just a delight. It's set in the 1950s. Uh, It was created... And show run by Amy Sherman Palladino, who, um, I think she did the Gilmore Girls is her big, big show. Oh, that's right. Yeah, which I didn't watch, but Emily was a, was a nut for that show. Sure. But Marvelous Mrs. Maisel set in the 1950s New York City. It is about a woman who, uh, very, I mean, there could be some spoilers ahead. So I'll give you three seconds, two, one. Uh, not giving away too much though, because it happens very early in the, in the first episode. A woman who gets, uh, separated and divorced from her husband. He's a businessman and he's, but he's trying to be a stand-up comic in the early days of stand-up comedy. And he's not very good at it. Uh, and through a sequence of weird things, uh, his wife ends up, uh, Mrs. Maisel gets thrown on stage at, uh, the gaslight in the, in the Greenwich Village, which was, uh, that's kind of one of the cool things about the show is they have all these real, uh, 1950s and 60s uh Greenwich Village haunts and Lenny Bruce plays a role and I think Bob Newhart is going to be on at some point, like people playing them obviously. And she ends up on stage at the gaslight one night and does an accidental stand up set when she's basically just talking about her life and the fact that her, her husband left her that day. And she killed. And all of a sudden she's befriends uh the 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 I guess she's the booker, uh the wonderful, wonderful Alex Borstein who plays Lois on the Family Guy, does the voice for Lois. Uh but she's the booker and uh for the uh for the gaslight, and she befriends her and she's like, You're really good, you should do this. And then the story p- kind of plays out over the season from there, as she very improbably in the nineteen fifties pursues stand up comedy. Also starring Michael Ziegen as her husband, uh Marin Hinkle as her mother, and two guests on the show, uh, the great Kevin Pollack, plays the husband's father. And it's just a meaty role. I was actually talking to him on the phone about this the other day, congratulating him. It's just a good, good role and uh, for Kevin to dig into. And then uh, Tony Shalhoub, who I have booked for New York, which I'm super excited about. What? Yeah. That's awesome. You didn't know that? No. I thought I told you that. No, that's amazing. Yeah, a friend of mine is friends with Tony, and he said, sure, I'll yeah. do it. Uh, I think it helped that Kevin Pollock was on. Oh sure.
1: What's his What's his main backstory? I know he did Monk and stuff, right? Like later in his career, but he was What's his? Uh, well, I knew. Heyday uh, stuff.
4: I knew his work mainly from uh, Coen Brothers movies. Oh, that's right. He was in. He had some small parts. He was in Barton Fink. Yep. But very memorable part in yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Barton Fink, and, and a couple of other Coen Brothers movies, I think. And is Tony's just the best? And uh, I never actually watched Monk though, which is weird. Because I love him so much. Maybe I'll dig into that.
1: I just know it was a big hit. I've never seen it either, but that's kind of what I associate with him in like more recent years.
4: Yeah. Well, actually, I, he started many years ago on Wings, that sitcom from the that's 90s. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Wings. Yeah. He was on Wings. Uh, I didn't watch Wings either, which is weird. I just remember seeing it in like on USA when I was a kid in reruns or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, Tony's going to be on the show and he plays the father of uh, Mrs. Maisel. And he's great too. And it's just like the, the show looks amazing. The art direction is, is unbelievable. They clearly sunk a lot of money into it. Um, Kevin Pollock told me that they, they greenlit two seasons right off the bat, which is really unusual. And I think they just really committed to the show and it paid off. Cause like I said, they won the best uh, TV show. So my advice, go out and stream Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon. I think, I think it's only seven or eight episodes. It's really just terrific. Have you seen A Feudal and Stupid Gesture? Not yet.
1: It's wonderful.
4: Yeah, I saw the documentary. Did you see that? No. Yeah, I saw the doc on, and if you guys don't know, we're talking about the story of the creation of National Lampoon, uh, or the Harvard Lampoon originally. Mm -hmm. And uh, specifically through the eyes of, uh, what was the guy's name, Jim Kinney?
1: Uh, his name is Doug Kenny Doug Kenny yeah and played by Will Forte it just reminded me of the show you were just talking about it's very similar because like um you've got Joel McHale playing Chevy Chase <laughs> right. and like all of these great comics that we love from, yeah. from now kind of playing these like old school dudes making Caddyshack and all that and it's like just Cocaine for days. Yeah. And it's just a total debauch, <laughs> but it's, it's a delightful movie. Like, there's a lot of heart to it, too. It's a really, really cool, cool movie. I,
4: recommend I can't wait one. to see it. I yeah. think, uh, didn't David Wayne direct that? Yes, who I also love. Wet Hot American Summer yeah. and all that stuff. He's the state. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gotta see that. And there's also a documentary, uh, about the Lampoon called Drunk, Stoned, Brilliant, Dead. Uh, and that kinda, kinda says it all. Yep. That really follows, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. follows the through line of that story. Yeah, I gotta check that out. All right, so two recommendations: "Marvelous Mrs. Maisel," and uh, what was the name of it again? "A futile and stupid gesture," and that's on Netflix.
1: It is a Netflix original. I think it came out like a week ago or something.
4: Oh, so Got to see that. Very fresh. Uh, I did see uh, the trailer, and it said something about, um, sure, none of these people look like the mm-hmm. people, but just go with it. Basically, yeah. some of them do though. It's pretty cool. Like it, it's all over the place,
1: but it's it really it hits. It's really cool.
4: Well, that's how you should cast, like. You don't have to cast someone that looks identical to somebody. It's like about capturing the spirit and be in the wheelhouse physically. When I think they probably gave, uh, Joel McHale Chevy Chase
1: because he was so terrorized by him on community. Oh, I didn't gave see him. Community. Well, Chevy Chase was just apparently like a nightmare to work with on uh-huh. community and that was a big part of between him and Dan Harmon why that show was just like a shit show. Right. And I think they probably gave it to Joel McHale
4: so he got a chance a to kind of get back. a little
1: jab, a little revenge. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I need to watch Community. I know that that's a great show. Um, that's on the list, too. Life is short, though, people. i got a lot of stuff to watch. All right, and we're going to finish up here with our first mini-episode with Comment Card, which are listener mails that I've culled from Facebook. Uh, this one is from Joshua Hall. Who would you call your favorite director? Uh, or maybe said better, whose body of work have you enjoyed the most as a movie fan? This was tough, my friend. Uh, so I went with my first instincts, and I'm going to name two, which are the Coen brothers and Alexander Payne. And uh, I think I've talked about it on the show before, but I have the the 100% Club, which are directors who have, it, to me, never made a bad movie. Uh, and the Coen brothers and Alexander Payne definitely are in that category for me. I know some people take issue with what I would call lesser Coens, uh, you know, the non-Fargos and the non-Lebowski's.
1: Like, Intolerable Cruelty and, uh. Right. The, the Lady Killers, is that another one?
4: Yeah, Lady Killers is the only one that I really didn't love, but I loved Intolerable Cruelty. I love Burn After Reading and all these, uh, I guess Tier B Cohen Brothers movies. Yeah. I just think they're great. Tier B Cohen is, is
1: like still. Tier A most people. <laughs> tier A most people. Yeah, yeah,
4: absolutely. And then Alexander Payne, the, the dude. Hasn't made a bad movie. I love, love, love every single one of them, including Downsizing. And I know Downsizing has gotten some uh, bad reviews here and there. Um, I loved it. I don't get it. I think it was great. Alexander Payne and his his writing partner, Jim Taylor, can do no wrong to me. Uh, so I'm just going to tick through his movies really quickly so you will know. Uh, what we're talking about His very first uh, feature, Citizen Ruth. Amazing, amazing satire. Uh, Election, another great comedy and satire he's very satirical now that I think about it About Schmidt wonderful movie Sideways one of the best uh, The Descendants I read that book before the movie uh, and loved it and The Descendants was great uh, then he really kind of took a right turn with the, the wonderful film uh, Nebraska beautiful black and white movie with Will Forte and Bruce Stern. and then like I said his new movie Downsizing so I recommend all those and so Joshua those are my two picks who's your favorite director And all
1: I am a really huge fan of the combo of Michelle Gondry, Spike Jones, and Charlie Kaufman. Yes. And I, I know they're you know Spike and and I don't know like they both started making like really cool music videos with like no uh-huh. budget. And I used to have all those director series of both Spike and Michelle, like do the yeah. early Daft Punk videos yep. and. My favorite one is um Chemical Brothers' video for Let Forever Be, where he simulates bad video effects using cutouts and, like, set pieces and stuff. I have seen that. It's amazing. I'll yeah. have to show it to you later, but it's so cool. But I love how both of those guys took that DIY kind of, you know, ethic and, and made the most mind-blowing movies and then paired with Charlie Kaufman's mind-bending script writing. Yeah. And he's a great director in his own right. Like, uh... Uh,
4: synecdoche New York. Total bummer, but just a mind blower. So uh, good. Yeah, I watched that movie. That was um that was a challenging movie. It's for almost me. too much because yeah. it, it's so real. I mean,
1: like it, it it really twists the knife, you know, about feeling, you know, aging and yeah. just like relationships and how ephemeral and fleeting everything can be, you know. No, but it's it's a great film. Those that's those are my picks. I would say
4: that's a good one. I really loved the uh Anomalisa. Oh yeah, movie, yeah. which was if you guys haven't seen that, it's Charlie Kaufman. Doing a, uh, it's a stop motion animation feature, which is one of the most real, like, human stories I've seen in a long time. And there are these, uh, stop motion figures, which is, uh, kind of a brilliant choice. Really good movie. Yeah, really, really
1: wonderful. And and it actually has a similar, um, aesthetic almost like too synecdoche in that it really delves down into those issues of like mortality and like getting older and like what's my legacy? You know, my relationship with my family and my kids, but in a kind of a dark yeah. and yet really funny and kind of touching way. But yeah, ultimately they're they're both very heavy movies, but yeah. delightful in their own ways too. He's he's an interesting guy, Charlie Kaufman.
4: Yeah, and weirdly, Anomalisa as a uh, stop motion animation feature has. Maybe the most realistic sex scenes tender just like that I've know, ever it's, it's just so yeah, real and really, like really how how it is in real life it yeah. wasn't uh you know how movie sex scenes are oh, yeah. like no yeah, it's, those are it's fantastic uh, all right, and then finally one more comic card from Lee Olson. Hey Chuck, love the show, thanks, dude. uh what sequels do you think are better than the first films? Good question, and I'm gonna rattle off four or five here. Spiderman two. Much better than uh, the first. Although I thought the first was good. It's not going to knock it, but Spider-Man 2 was great. That was the one with Doc Ock, right? Yes. Yeah, that was awesome. Like the the best Spider-Man movie of all of them. Um even though it really did like the most recent one. Parts of it
1: felt like an Evil Dead Spider-Man movie to me. It had that like Sam frenetic. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it had that like
4: energy that Evil uh-huh. Dead
1: had where the camera is just like really spastic camera work. Yeah. And when, for like, sure. when there's that scene on the train and Doc Ock's just like scraping along the sides of it and stuff, it's like super yeah, like, that and there,
4: vibe. There has never been a more uh, non-Evil Dead movie Sam Raimi scene than uh, when Doc Ock wakes up in the, or when they, he wakes up in the surgical room or whatever. Right. That's the one. Total evil dead. Exactly, yeah, when his, he, it comes
1: alive and like yeah. starts smashing everything. <laughs> like, oh, it's, so i yeah, I've,
4: I've hadn't thought about that in years. So
1: it's really, really good.
4: Uh, good Terminator 2, I'm going to go with over the original Terminator. Uh, I loved the first Terminator, but T2 just really took it to a next level. Amazing. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Kind of obvious. Love Star Wars. Empire was better. Uh, The Road Warrior greater than mad max to me even though i do love the indie gritty indiness of mad max uh the road warrior definitely kicked it up a notch well
1: the the first mad max didn't even have quite the same post-apocalyptic vibe as the 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 subsequent ones right
4: yeah i mean it was just such a lower budget right in a smaller story um they did have that you know the the gang of toughs sure but uh uh, road warrior like really kind that's of. what we know
1: and love as yeah like mad
4: max is like Road Warrior. Yeah. and then finally speaking of sam raimi evil dead 2 um better to me than evil dead 1 and geez army of darkness may have been better than evil dead 2 that was when he kind of embraced that it was funny yeah I mean, the first one is like they were kind of trying to make a scary movie yeah it's like what am i doing yeah. and then people laughed i'm sure it was part of the plan all oh along uh, yeah <laughs> genius <laughs> All right, so that's it, folks. That's uh, episode one of the, the many episodes. We need to think of a name for these. It's in the can. And thanks to everyone for uh, interacting on Facebook. Uh, keep an eye out. Like the Facebook page if you want to interact. Get your stuff read right here on the show. And I also want to announce what we're going to do at the end of each show is announce the, uh, the interview guest on Friday and the movie to give everyone a big heads up on what to watch. Um, like I say on Facebook, brush up so you can crush out. How clever is that? Um, all right. So this week uh, is actually the, the live movie crush episode that I did at Sketchfest, my very first live show, which was great and so much fun. And I really, really thank—I uh, want to thank everyone who came out to that in the Bay Area. And I had uh, Mr. Tony Hale of Veep and Arrested Development and seriously legit nicest guy I've ever met in the entertainment industry. No lie. And I met some good people, but Tony is the nicest guy ever. Buster on Arrested Development is probably my favorite character in almost all of comedy. He's all right. So cool. (laughs) (laughs) People that watch that show get that joke. Uh, So anyway, Tony and I talked about Punch Drunk Love, and that will be coming out this Friday. And it was wonderful talking to him, so look forward to that. And uh, salutations, everyone. Thanks for chiming in there and all. I think this is a thing now, right? I love it. Let's do it. Awesome. All right. We'll see everybody next week.
1: At these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
3: Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass, or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with bare premium plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.
2: Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos.